Welcome, everyone, to another episode of In Harmony with Piedmont Opera. We are rolling along, and we're getting closer to the next season that starts in October of Piedmont Opera. You can hear all about the upcoming season in our previous episode with artistic director Jamie Albritton. Uh, Fabulous episodes as well in our archives. We had Mary Hagelin just recently, um, and lots and lots in store for you if you go back and just search our podcast feed and find our full archive episodes. Today, we've got another great one on hand for you. Someone who is a legend in his field. He is Norman Coates. He is a lighting guru, veteran lighting designer and current professor emeritus at UNC School of the Arts. He's been shaping the minds and talents of future artist leaders for more than 25 years. So, Norman, thank you for being on the show. I'd love to learn how you got started in the field of lighting design. (laughs) Um, Always an interesting question. Um, Totally by accident. Um, I got interested in theater. Uh, and that was kind of late, although my mother used to drag me to New York as a child, and I was not interested. And uh, I went to see a show that was assigned by an English professor, a a lit professor. It's like, you have to go see this. It's like, okay, (laughs) I need this grade, I'm going to go. And for whatever reason, that particular show, it felt like everything that was happening on stage was being done for me alone, not for anybody else in the audience. It was there was all for me. So that was that getting bit by the theater bug thing. And um, from there, I just knew I had to study it. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I had to be a part of it. And then over the process of uh, uh, going to Temple University, uh, which had a great program at the time, um, lighting became the thing that was just natural to me or felt natural or came easily. Um, And it was years later that I realized that... um, all of my memories from childhood uh, and through my whole life were, are all light-based. What was the light like at the moment? Not, was the pe- not what the piece of music was playing, not what I was wearing, not what, you know, there was no other references, not what it smelled like. It was about the light. What was the light like on that huh. day? Your energy, your senses were drawn to things that maybe others weren't the the lighting and not necessarily the sound or the or the the visuals on stage or or on a screen or something like that. I, I think that's right, and I think that I think that you know although the visuals on stage and on uh, the screen are certainly involved light. Without light, you won't see any of them. Sure, but um, my my sense and the way my brain processes events, times, places, things, emotions is about light. Yeah. What were you interested in and as a child that maybe contributed to, to you paying more attention to things like that? I have no idea. Yeah, I, wish, I guess I guess I, my I, mind I guess my mind for some reason yeah. goes to astronomy or, or yeah. something like that. I, you know, um it's just odd moments um of of events that the memory is light based, you know, like the time of day, the mood of the light, um, whether it was overcast. Um, you know, those kinds of days where it might be bright where you are, but it's dark in the distance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I was always, I always had a bit of wanderlust. I always wanted to get out of the small town I grew up in. And so, for instance, you know, there'd be moments where I was at the, the park, which was at the top, the highest point in the town. 
and you could overlook the whole Schuylkill River Valley, basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, moments of contemplating what it might be like to live in New York, and here I am at 12 years old, but I remember what the light was like at that moment. Right. And, and the environment of that moment w- was light-based. What was the sky like? Was the steel blue? What was the color? Yeah. Did yeah. you get interested in photography at all? Um, yeah, a lot. I still am, and I still do a lot of photography. Yeah. Um, I think that, um, yeah, it, it, photography to me is capturing light. Right. So, um, so yeah, I, I've always done a lot of photography, and I've always liked it. I've I've got more pictures than I have time to edit. Oh wow! <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I every once in a while I'll sit down on a rainy day and start going through and editing photos, and I always think that I should do some. I should do something with all these photos. Yeah. Um, and the most I've ever done is that I occasionally watch them on a, on a large, you know, 4K TV set through yeah. Amazon Photos. That's about as far as I yeah. go. Uh, maybe you've gotten this question before, maybe you haven't, and maybe it's a silly question, but I, I think it'd be interesting to hear, is there anything unique about the lighting in your home? The w- no. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, no, I don't, I, I, yeah, I just don't, bring it home yeah. it's not it's not something i do okay um, there's nothing special about you know yeah i've got lights in the garden like everybody else does oh look there's an led light that's yeah. uh that that's that's uh radio or not radio controlled but uses uh, uh um a battery and uh, a photovoltaic cell and mm-hmm. um, boy we're done i don't have to run any wires so <laughs> I, yeah uh not really you know i there's there's nice little mood lights and there's a bit of color and you know and of course I have LEDs strung around in hidden places to graze curtains and things but mm-hmm. it's not something anybody would come into the house and okay. say oh my god <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah okay well I appreciate you answering that question anyway yeah. um, so so when when did this become something where you, it started to look like it might be a career choice um, wow <laughs> it was a long time ago. Um, Somewhere around uh, the early 70s, mm-hmm. um, again, I was at Temple, um, and as I was studying at Temple, um, I sort of had run out of things to take, um, so I kept taking more lighting classes and design classes. I eventually started taking more graduate-level classes because I'd run out of undergraduate courses in, in design area. Mm-hmm. And then a couple summers at Williamstown uh, as an electrician doing eight shows in eight weeks, um, sort of like locked it all in. It was where, it was where, um, if I have anything to contribute, lighting was where I had something to mm-hmm. contribute or a vision that that interfaces with what else is going on. I certainly couldn't memorize lines. I'd had lots of acting classes and was like, oh no, yeah. You know. So le- learned early on that if you were going to be involved in in musical theater or performing arts, um, that this would have to be where <laughs> where you would you would find it, your place. It, it would fall into the design realm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I you know I, uh, I I can goof off with the best of them in improv, but but I knew early on. You know, when in church they used to make you memorize things for Easter, it was mm-hmm. just torture for me. So there was no, there was going to be no acting and no singing. Sure. Okay, so it, it kind of started at Temple, and and what does the, a career path look like? Is is there a moment where you where you had a big break and and 
receive the opportunity to design for a big production? How, how did it get to where it was now? What are some of the steps along wow. the way? Um, wow, it's so different for everybody. For mm-hmm. me, it was uh, just pretty much sheer determination. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the opportunity right out of college to, uh, it wasn't an off year, but I got to spend a year working at the University of Pennsylvania with a, a really brilliant guy, Alvin Ockerland. And he honed certain skills and abilities uh, and made me learn to pay attention to detail in ways that I had never paid attention to detail in college. Um, I had to draft for him and do little projects. And he was a mad scientist kind of a guy. He, he was the head of lighting for the, uh, uh, the Zellerbach Center at, at the University of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And he used to wear a lab coat, and after every task, he would wash his hands. So he freaked me out at some level. But at another level, uh, I learned how to um, organize myself in a way that I'd never learned before. And after that year, you know, my whole goal was to move to New York. Um, I was fortunate in getting um, a year in Albany uh, at what was the new egg which was the new um, uh, plaza that was built by Rockefeller, had a theater. And um, I worked for a year designing lights for a children's theater that actually toured the state. But in doing that, um, all the set designers came from New York, and they Mm. were all really well-known set designers. So I got to meet a lot of people, and that, that combined with the fact, again, that since I was 12 years old, I want to live in New York. Uh, my next step into New York was relatively easy, as easy as as moving to um, taxi driver New York could be. Yeah. And so the, the connections, I guess, that you made instantly with the designers that were from that area helped you to, to get involved. That, that helped me to get involved, and it got me uh, at a level where at least people were beginning to know my name so that... I could get work. And at that time, you worked your way up. You started working in little showcases and off-off-Broadway, and then mm-hmm. a designer might take you on as an assistant, and you just slowly worked till you got that that first or bigger lighting job. So so what were some of the, the, the big jobs that, that you got while you were in New York City? Um, well, I guess the, the, the first big stepping stone was... Um, I, I um, assisted, assisted somebody on the, the what wound up being the last national tour of King and I with Yul Brenner. Um, so that was a big step in that I wound up meeting a lot of other people and started working at a level of the commercial theater where the business factor mm. is just as important as the artistic factor in a lot of ways. So um, so that stepping stone led to um, doing Camelot with Richard Harris, which was an international tour, and, and eventually I got to design that as opposed to assisting that. Mm. Um, and then that led to all kinds of other things. But, you know, there were years of making a living doing fashion shows and eventually lighting those fashion shows and working for, you know, Ralph Lauren or oh, Bill, wow, yeah. you know, uh, um, Bill Blass or other, you know, in the fashion area. So it was an interesting spread of things to do. Um, I certainly moved to New York and spent the whole first part of my life thinking I was only ever going to do serious drama. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while to realize that you don't make a living by doing serious drama. 
because, I mean, you look at any given season on Broadway and there are maybe two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, um, so slowly but surely, uh, you know, I, I fell into the, through this assisting, you know, King and I, Camelot, into uh, musical theater. And then, uh, and then with that, that led to getting a couple of Broadway shows um, that uh, were not terribly successful, but they were there. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it was, it was an interesting path. What are some of the, uni- let's take a, a Broadway show, for example, and, and I'm sure whether it's a, a musical or whether it's a fashion show, uh, everything has its different challenges and, and properties about it. What are some of the maybe broad strokes, unique challenges about your job? Ooh. Um, I, you know, I, wow. I, I think the broad strokes, um, are pretty much the idea of, of understanding the story that's being told, no matter what that story is. And that story can be, um, you know, this year's line on a dress in a fashion show, um, or a color palette for a designer in fashion, um, to obviously, you know, in opera or a musical theater, what's the story? What are the people who are engaged in the storytelling uh, trying to get across? Um, you know, and it goes to architecture. What's the story of the building? What's the, you know, how's this building framed? What's hmm. the shape? So there's always some sort of storytelling going on. Um, and certainly in drama and opera, it's given to you. You know, opera, it's in the music, uh, drama, it's in the words and the actions. Um, but all those other things that get lit also are telling stories in some way. So in the end, it's um, adding a layer onto the storytelling. Yeah. So this, yeah, this is so much more than just following a script and knowing who to, wh- where, where, certain things that need to be highlighted. It's, it's not as rudimentary as that. It's, it's really understanding the story that's being told because you have to help to accentuate that. Uh, yeah, and, and I think that the more you can make a connection to that story, mm-hmm. the more you can, the more you can um, add a dimension to um, that story that is emotive yeah. without the audience being conscious of it being emotive. Now, in a Broadway musical, that's not always the case. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're the lead and you're out there screaming <laughs> sure. in terms of the lights. Uh, and in, certainly in rock and roll, it's the same thing. Um, and that depends upon size of venue and, and all of those things. But in the end, it, it's connecting to to the story and the characters that's sure. being told. But before we bring this back to a, a local viewpoint in what you're doing here in Winston-Salem and your history with School of the Arts and Piedmont mm-hmm. Opera, you did lighting at the White House, Correct. You've done we, that before? We lit the White House. We, we, while I was at school, we formed this little group called the Winston-Salem Light Project, which I've later taken to make into Light Project, which is now an LLC. But, okay. Um, yeah, we got offered to project on the White House. To, and so um, that side of the White House, the South Lawn, mm-hmm. and, and the Truman Balcony had never been projected on before. And the people who produced the Halloween event wanted us to do that. Uh-huh. So it was like, okay. Um, now, running through my mind the whole time was, 
you know, this event's probably going to be over before it's really dark and this projection's really effective, but <laughs> we'll do this anyway. And we, of course, we had those conversations. So um, some former students uh, and I uh, put together, I basically acted as a producer, and we put together a little 15-minute story uh, re- revolving around Halloween and projected it um, on the White House in what has now become called three-dimensional projection. But basically, we projected from multiple angles, so we wrapped images around columns and around, oh, wow. uh, you know, around the building. And, um, and it was uh, incredibly nerve-wracking, a lot of fun, and, um, and absolutely uh, a crazy thing to do yeah. to actually execute it and get it done. Have you that? That's amazing. Uh, have you done anything that even comes close to that, just in terms of scale and and uh, notoriety as the, as the White House? I don't think so. I think that you know. I think that that falls in this odd, unique category of it's not a place that you're usually allowed to throw up scaffolding right. on the lawn <laughs> and spend days like projecting uh, and and taking up some of the space where the helicopter lands right, for the right. president to leave. So I, I think that, I think that, um, that becomes a, a, a unique one-off that would be fun to do again. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I don't think much tops that. I mean, I, you know, I, I've had shows go to a lot of places and that's great. And, and I've had, uh, adventures where, you know, um, I was assisting a show, in Washington D.C., and I and I pretty much knocked over Hubert Humphrey. I had gone backstage to to give notes at, at intermission on opening night, and I came running out through the stage door, and he just happened to be standing on the oh, other no. side of the pass door from stage left to the audience. Oh no! And I ran right into him, and it was like I didn't notice at first. And I just you know, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and I was running back to get notes, uh, you know, the, you know, ready for the, for the, right. uh, you know, after intermission act two. And, uh, I sort of looked back and realized, oh, that was Hubert Humphrey. And, oh, look, <laughs> there's all these secret service guys there. So that was, you know, so you wind up with lots of unique moments and, right. and items and, and moments you're proud of and, and, uh, you know, moments you want to forget. But, um, I think everybody in the arts and any art field has that, those yeah. groups of things. What like, a, what an amazing experience. You know, yeah. Wish yeah. I never did that show <laughs> or, or, you know, boy, I'd like to do that one again. Yeah. So we, we all have those. Yeah. What an amazing experience. Okay. So what eventually brought you here to Winston-Salem? Again, that was a complete fluke. Um, uh, Annie and I, uh, my wife, Annie, uh, and I were getting married, uh, and we were thinking about moving from the city, um, but it wasn't moving from the city to Winston-Salem, North Carolina. It was mm-hmm. more like, oh, should we live in New Jersey or Pennsylvania or close upstate to the, New York? Close to the city, close but outside. Close to the city, yeah. but outside the city. Um, Annie at the time, Annie loves the city, but at the time she didn't think she wanted to live there. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was happening here was that the the uh, the current lighting teacher was leaving. Um, they were going to replay, they, they did the interview and um, they did an offer, and the person they offered it to chose not to do it. So they were late and a little desperate, I think. Um, and um, um, I had been coming to uh, Raleigh to do North Carolina theater 
at the time. And a lot of people from uh, Broadway were directing and choreographing. So this was like, for me, oh, this is great. I get to work with them here and then mm-hmm. we'll work back in New York. So uh, at some point, uh, people from school were coming to North Carolina Theater to do assistant stage manager or other jobs. And somehow my name got out and and I kept getting asked to come interview and I had been asked to interview for the job initially, mm-hmm. and it was like, no, I don't want to do that. I, I may want to teach someday, but not now. Um, and eventually enough nagging got me to fly down um, uh, literally um, a week before we were getting married to interview. Oh, wow. Um, did the interview. Um, they asked me to stay. I walked, stay outside the office. I walked outside the office. Um, the dean and a couple other people conferred, and they walked out and said, well, do you want the job? <laughs> <laughs> and and luckily, I didn't have to answer right away. It's like, oh, well, you know, I'm getting married in a week, and and I think I need a, just a a little bit of breath to think about yeah, this. Yeah. Um. So that's what got me here, and the intent was that I'd come for a year, maybe two, um, get a grounding in in what academic theater was like, go back to New York, and somewhere when I hit my sixties, and uh, I could go out and teach. Yeah. Um, and then once I got here, I got trapped. Uh, Just sunk their claws into you. I, it, yeah, it became, it became. There's so many layers of how you get trapped, but but certainly after you start interviewing students and then getting them to come to school, uh-huh. it's like, oh, I think they were coming to study with me. So what do I do? Do I just leave them? Do I dump them? Do I? Oh, look. Well, you know. So so, it, it took another almost 10 years before I got rid of my apartment in New York, but, mm. um, but I kind of landed. Yeah. And what year was this? That was 1990. And you've been here ever since. since. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That that's, yeah, you, you get here in this place and I, I can see what you're saying about you meet the students and they come and they're not just coming to necessarily for, for the, the material, in the right. experience, they're coming to learn from from you, who's who's done everything you, that you had done up until yeah, that point. Your ego tells you that, perhaps. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, because it's not, you know, it, you're not you're not uh, um, in a in a large universe, academic university where you're just one of another of many teachers they might have. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, you know, when they get into their senior year at one of those universities, they went there because they wanted a specific professor. But here, you're it from day one. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so, you know, and, and you have your little group of students that pretty much are yours. So it's kind of a different feeling, I think. Yeah. Than, than, than teaching to that, you know, like what my, you know, introduction to biology was, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the 80 people or 100 people in, in an amphitheater uh, getting the base lecture, and then you go off and have a graduate assistant teach you or, you know, that, that you know, history of Western civilization class of 150, mm-hmm. and you take notes and take the exam and just pray that you stayed awake long enough to, to get <laughs> enough stuff in your head to pass. So when, when, did you, when did you start lighting opera, and how different did that how different was that to what you had done previously on on Broadway and other yeah. forms of musical theater? I didn't do opera till I got here, um, and I'd seen very little opera till I got here. Um, 
And for whatever reason, again, um, a whole series of events uh, wove together uh, to turn me towards opera. Um, it, you know, it became a thing of um, language, mm. um, the Italian, um, and music, and the storytelling. And, and um, I sort of got asked to do one, and it was like, well, this is, this is way over my head. Um, the music's too complicated for me. This is not, this is not Rodgers and Hammerstein. Um, and, um, there were other faculty, uh, Martha Dunnigan for one, who loved opera and who kept pushing me to go to the opera and, and, and get involved in opera. And I admired her as a visual artist and I said, well, there must be something here. So I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and try this and, and I'll light in opera and once I started, it was um, it was revelatory uh, in that um, opera to me became about the big brush strokes, mm. where drama is often about these little tiny subtle strokes, and so it became about the difference of how you paint with light and how the story is being told through the music as much as anything else. Uh, and, and I've always had it in my head that, that everything that I do is, is based on the music. Mm-hmm. Um, 90% of the people who come to the opera don't know the language it's being spoken in. Right. Um, luckily, I have enough Italian that I can make some of it out, um, most of it out, except for all those weird idiomatic phrases that are, <laughs> what does that mean? Um, but um, But it became about learning to really just listen to the music and and you know it sounds crazy but um in a lot of ways you're lighting the music yeah okay because the music is carrying the story and the emotion sure um now granted there might be a, a wonderful amazing singer up there who was another instrument in this massive orchestra uh uh but um that idea of 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 carrying the emotion and the story through the music uh and all you know I hate to say it's easy, but in so many ways, all the clues are right there in the music. What the timings are, mm-hmm. uh, when the lights should change, mm-hmm. for me, how they change, what they change to, um, is all contained within the score. Yeah. What are some of the What are some of the changes that you've seen in in your particular field from when you started to maybe even in the early '90s when you came here to Winston Salem mm-hmm. to to now? Oh man. Um, I think all of our lives have changed massively uh, with computers and automation and all kinds of things being automated. Um, lighting went from lighting during my uh, time as a lighting designer basically went from the Model A to the Tesla. Um, lighting when I started was really kind of primitive, um, and uh, it was dimmed with with giant dimmers that, uh, at least especially on Broadway, that um, all had to be, uh, you know, controlled sometimes by two and three guys. Mm. They were big switches. Um, so if you were, you know, people have more dimming switches in their houses now than, than they used to have in Broadway <laughs> before a chorus line. Right. And chorus line was, in fact, what changed it. So there are all those, uh, uh, those changes that come along with computers and computers now running the lighting um, and, and learning what, um, 
you know, basically spewing back um, those moments that you create, those pictures, those frozen pictures, and then building the transitions, and then moving from lights that were uh, fixed focus, they only light one spot, period, in one color, and that's it. Mm. And now you have lights that you can aim anywhere and put in any color and any texture. Uh, so so there's been uh, massive changes. Um, that doesn't necessarily always make it telling the story better. Yeah, uh, It does get sometimes... Um, it becomes the story in itself. Yeah. It's not uh, one person holding this big spotlight and moving it around. Right. You can motorize those things and you can automate those things. And... Yeah, pretty much all of that can be automated. Yeah. And, and your your availability to change color is is, uh, is overwhelming. So mm-hmm. we have all these toys now. And, and like anytime you get a, a whole new batch of toys, you have to play with them. Yeah. Um, I've tried to avoid that uh, in that... Um, <laughs> The same basic colors that are emotive are still emotive, and how do I use them, and when do I use them, and what angles of light do I use? Um, and, um, you know, it, it, a lot of the automation sort of came from the rock and roll world mm-hmm. and, then in, and then fed into uh, Broadway and then opera. Um, but sometimes the simpler brushstroke brush is the better brushstroke, sure. the better choice. Um, and if you're lighting uh, a rock show with 20,000, 30,000 spectators and you're sitting at the back and the performer, whoever it may be, this, this month it seems to be Taylor Swift is every, what everybody's <laughs> right. talking about. Um, you know, Taylor Swift is maybe the size of your thumbnail when you stretch your arm out. From where you're, sta- from from where where you're, you're sitting. Positioned, so yeah. you can't see anything. I mean, right. you really... So, so all these very bright lights through haze and fog, point at Taylor Swift so you know where to look. Mm -hmm. And then you hope there's some image magnification and projection around so you actually see what she looks like. But that whole that whole era of of moving lights and lights moving to uh, reflect and reinforce rhythm Mm -hmm. and and uh, the rhythm section and color changing happening again in massive uh, uh, swatches of, of, of change, yeah. um, all derived out of, out of rock, basically. And you find more of it on Broadway. Um, but opera still doesn't want that much of that because it just doesn't, it's not there. It's not in the music. Yeah. yeah. So the pictures are different. The tools are great because you can get mm-hmm. more action out of one fixture now than you used to be able to. Sure. So that's really helpful. Okay. Um, when I asked you about the uh, the White House experience, you mm-hmm. mentioned the the Winston Salem Light Project, and now it's Light Project. Right. Um, what more can you tell us about uh, about that endeavor? Um, I, you know, it. I, I've always been interested in public art, and um, light has always been a great way to to. Uh, and and of course, when we started this, it was at the beginning of the period of LEDs, but. Um, you know, lighting a structure in a unique way that nobody's ever seen it is fun. Or presenting light in an urban environment in some way that's not usual is fun. And and it, and uh, people will see it and draw their attention to it. And then projecting on a building is an incredible amount of fun and a lot of work. Because basically when you project on a building, you're creating a small film uh, to do this. 
so so that idea of public art and and reimagining environment uh, was where we started. Now, now you know everybody lights buildings these days, and LEDs and and again the computers have made it much easier to do. That doesn't mean it's been done well. Um, and there is some new construction where the thought of how light interacts with the building is designed in from the beginning, which is fabulous. Um, so, so all of that was just an extension, again, of this fascination with light and what light can do. Um, so the light, the light project was really all about just trying to, uh, to reimagine urban environments and making people see that. Um, I think the, the secondary backup for me that became really fun was to do a project. Um, and usually we would do projects where if it was just light or, um, or projection, we'd make it run about 15 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then we'd have a tiny break, a few minutes break or a minute break, and then start it over. So people could come and go, but they weren't, they didn't have to be there more than 15 minutes. But the great part was just sitting there watching people and listening to people watch it and seeing groups of people who um, wouldn't necessarily be in the same audience together. You know, so so we would get people who would go to the opera, maybe sitting next to somebody who, you know, who's highest uh, um, event or audience event um, might have been the movies or um, or a bluegrass show sure. or a small or a small concert at a at a bar. But all of a sudden they were watching this together um, and, and experiencing it and actually talking to one another because it's, it wasn't precious. You know, you could talk and watch it and no, I didn't care or nobody else cared. Nobody shushed you or, yeah. or to be quiet. So yeah. it, th- that aspect of uh, the communal aspect became really interesting to me. That's yeah, that's that's really, really interesting. Um, we we usually close with some version of, of this question, which is outside of, of the demands of your job. Uh, which seem like they are they are many. Um, what are some of the things that you and and your wife enjoy doing around this community? Um, we're usually exhausted, so we don't get out a whole lot. Uh, when when we do get out, we tend to to really travel. It's like you know we need to like get away or get to New York or to get to uh, somewhere else. Um, you know, I think we do a lot of things. We do a lot of silly things. We love going to the fair, you know. Um, you know an occasional dash game is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, all these years of working at School of the Arts and then designing and working here and then designing other places, um, my, you know, my schedule was 8 in the morning till 8, 9, 10 at night sometimes at mm. school and, and adding the other things. So, you know, now that we've, well, Annie's semi-retired, and now that I'm semi-retired, um, <laughs> we're looking around going, oh, what's there to do here? Because we've never had the opportunity to enjoy, you know, all of the things. It's like, okay, you know, every once in a while, oh, look what's playing at Aperture. We'll go to Aperture and mm-hmm. see a film. Uh, well, there's a new restaurant opening. Let's go try that. But, you know, I, I think that uh, culturally, other than, you know, um, uh, Friday used to do Fridays on Trade, um, other than those really general things, um, I, I think that uh, 
I think that I'm a bad member of the community. No, that's, that those are great examples of just getting a good taste of what Winston-Salem has to yeah. offer. So maybe, maybe in, you know, as, as you become more and more of the semi-retired, <laughs> you'll get the yeah. opportunity to, to yeah. take, you know, and, more. and I keep looking and, and, yeah. and, uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, Friday is on trade used to be, that used to be our, yeah our big thing. It was like Friday night. Whoa. Sure. We're both in town and let's go to trade street. Yeah. Let's go see what's in the galleries. Um, so yeah, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, Norman, thank you for sharing some of your experience, your, your expertise, your stories. Um, and, uh, Thank you for everything that you've done in this community to, to make the, the presentation of, of the arts what it is. So thank you. Well, thank you. It's been fun. Thanks. Thanks.